0: Welcome everybody to a special episode of the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. This is the 40th episode of the pod here, and a very big one talking NBA free agency, the Eastern Conference Edition, joined by a returning guest, Pablo Puga. Pablo, big day for Miami here. How are you feeling so far?
1: I mean, as a biased Miami fan, first, thank you for having me back. It's great to be back. And um, I'm ecstatic. I mean, it clearly isn't all an approach from the heat, from the get-go of this free agency period. And they're really
0: looking to contend. Well, definitely want to get started here with Miami. Uh, obviously, not only our hometown team, but probably the biggest player in free agency right now, uh, given all the moves they made, especially at the top, signing Kyle Lowry, signing trade, Goran Dragic is in the deal, Precious Achua is probably in the deal. Details still need to be finalized, but a three-year, $90 million contract for to the 35-year-old All-Star point guard. Let's just get started with that. What are your thoughts on the Lowry addition from a basketball fit standpoint?
1: In terms of a basketball fit standpoint, I think it is really an ideal fit for the Heat. As much as I love Goran Dragic and Heat fans love Goran Dragic, this is an upgrade. I mean, Kyle Lowry is a defensive stalwart, one. He is great at setting up a big man, and we have a young big man that is clearly looking to take a big leap here in Bam at a bio. Two, and then three, he really just takes playmaking pressure off Jimmy because Jimmy has really been just trying to do every single aspect on the basketball court for the Miami Heat. And he clearly needs a little bit of help just in another guard wing to really just help him with offense because as we saw in the series against the Milwaukee Bucks where he got swept, it was just Jimmy trying to do everything and just dying in that process because you can't put the entire team on his back every single game of every single series.
0: You bring up a couple big points. First off is that I hate when people say that Goran Dragic and Kyle Lowry are kind of in the same ballpark. I'm in the camp of, I think there's an upgrade for sure. Whether the contracts and the age and all that stuff, does that, whatever. Bottom line is that from a basketball standpoint, who I want on the court, Kyle Lowry is better for sure. As you bring up, defensive stalwart, fits the heat culture mode, plays off the ball, which I think is nice because he can, as you point out, be facilitator, whether it's in a second unit lineup as a second creator with Jimmy Butler, God knows what. But also, can you know, reliable three-point shooter, especially at the top of the key, you know, along that upper perimeter area. Another good sidekick with Duncan Robinson to space the floor for a Bam and Jimmy pick and roll, uh, some side action. And I think more importantly, he's a tough-nosed guy. Playoff experience, uh, veteran in this league. Point guards are, are arguably the most stacked position in the entire NBA when it comes to talent and having a guy... Like Kyle Lowry, even though he's not, you know, a top five point guard, having somebody in like that six to ten range, it really does boost Miami's value as a contender.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the NBA is a copycat league. It has been, and it always will be. And the two teams that made the NBA finals this year added veteran point guards that were tough-nosed point guards with playoff experience that were just guys that may not have been in the best situation previously. And it really became difference makers on those teams. We saw them in Chris Ball and we saw them in Drew Holiday.
0: Another good fact I think should be pointed out is that Miami really hasn't had this type of point guard in a long time. Because you have to remember, our last all-star point guard, Goran Dragic, was an all-star for like one season. He was like one of those like last-minute guys. Like it was one fluke or whatever. You have to go back to like Tim Hardaway Jr. Or excuse me, not Tim am uh, sorry, uh, not Jr. Uh, Tim Hardaway like from the 90s. Like that was the last time we had a legit elite point guard. On paper, Kyle Lowry is probably the second or third best Heat guard to ever wear the Miami Heat uniform ever. I think this is a great accomplishment for them. What I also like is I think he fits perfectly with Jimmy and Bam because the unselfishness, the defense, the tenacity, the hustle plays, all that sort of stuff. And more importantly, as you point out, it is a copycat league. And I think having those utilities is super important and more important is that we got Kyle Lowry with limited resources, little cap space, basically no draft picks. We're giving up, you know, Goran Dragic, who's a 35-year-old, never to be again an all-star, who's on the, decli- on the decline, and a, a guy in Presto Chua, who I like, but he's not going to be, you know, the third best guy or fourth best guy on a title team. He'll just be, you know, at best a bench, run, jump, and dunk center, or some whatever forward he ends up being. So I think this is great value for Miami. Um, are you kind of in that same camp, or do you disagree a little bit?
1: I do uh, agree 100%.
0: And regardless
1: of even if P- Precious blows everyone away and has a bam out of BioLite development, that's a few years away. And as we can see, Jimmy's... And it probably
0: won't happen for the record.
1: 30- yeah, exactly. And Jimmy's in his older 30s. This Ross... Pat Riley's old, too. And just when your number one player is nearing the end of his career, and Jimmy Butler is obviously built like one of those players that could have a long career, but because of the fact that he's not an amazing shooter... Regardless of the fact that his athleticism has kept him afloat for so long. It's just the heater clearly going all in. I love this move. And the one thing uh, to, to, to keep an eye on is definitely the fact that the signing trade has not been finalized. Yes. Similar to the Jimmy Butler deal with the 76ers that, again, great value like his Pico. This is the Miami front office again and again. Working their cat magic and working at magic with little to no assets that we're giving up a guy with Goran's like you said, who's aging after the climb of their career, that at best is a sixth man on a contender, possibly could be routed to Dallas Mavericks. I saw that on NBA TV today with Ira Winterman discussing that possibility just for the Raptors to possibly look to get someone that fits them better. But besides that, it's just great value. And you're getting an all-star caliber point guard that fits your culture, fits what your team needs right now, and giving up a prospect that was a late first-round pick and a guy that is not in your team's timeline, and it's just a complete downgrade from what you're getting in Kyle Lowry.
0: And arguably, this is the best free agent on the market right now because you have to remember that Kawhi, for as much as people want to have the rumorville with him, is probably going back to the Los Angeles Clippers. Chris Paul, for as much as everyone tried the CP to New York or Los Angeles debate for about a week, was always going back to Phoenix unless, you know, they just screwed him on the contract. Lowry was the best guy to get. He was the best upgrade on the table and – Give credit to Miami. They beat out 29 other teams. And I, I wanted it was interesting because Dallas really liked him. He would have been great there. New Orleans really liked him. He would have been great there. If he stayed in Toronto, he would have been great there. And he chose Miami and really chose that he believed in the Heat culture, believed in this team, in Jimmy and Bam, in the rest of our role guys. Now the question is, does this make Miami a legit contender? Because I think that's the, the bottom line for Miami is they basically have said, we are doubling down on our 2020 final success. We had to retool the roster to build on the upgrades that we did not have last year. Does the Lowry move, along with P.J. Tucker, Markeith Moore, some of these other you know fringe guys, does that put us over the top, or are we still one or two guys short?
1: Well, first and foremost, I'm going to talk about, like you said, he was the premier free agent. He was the first domino to fall that
0: set everything else up in free agency. And I want to stop okay. you. That's the big one, too, is that forget the importance. His move led to other stuff happening. His move was the reason why... Uh, you know, certain the Mavericks are kind of panicking now to find a guy, or why New Orleans kind of had to trade for Thomas Saturancy because they just lost their glue uh, glue guy at point yeah. guard. It's and why it Toronto had a desperate
1: yeah. uh signing trade with Devontae Graham. Yes. And the fact that they were really they other teams that had Kyle Lowry as their plan A
0: got so screwed
1: scrambling to find upgrades. And in addition, let's talk a little bit about those fringe guys now and like you're saying the situation of is Miami a contender? Are they a contender in the East? Yes, because they beat out more talented teams than them before just a year ago. So the fact that they're getting more talented now and adding guys that fit the culture and P.J. Tucker, because not only are you adding a guy that, as we saw in the playoffs, he wasn't a big stats guy, but he's never been a big stats guy. He's going to be a guy that puts in like 20 minutes in the game. He's a start in the beginning. You have someone else fill in and kind of mirror him for the rest of the game. And then those closing minutes and those important moments, he hits that corner three for you. He scrambles and gets that ball for you on the floor. And I think so. Sub- not only adding that to your team, but subtracting that from arguably your biggest rival, if not this and one of the top three teams in the East, is major for the Miami Heat.
0: Well, that's an excellent point. Addition by subtraction, in a new light. Because not only are you taking adding a, a valuable player that a fits a need of a four that we really haven't had in a while. I've actually brought this up that. Uh, bef- between Chris Bosh and Jay Crowder, the RUID, we never had like a good power forward, like a really good power. It was always you know Josh yeah, McRoberts. Jo- Josh McRoberts, yeah. What well, What was the like, year? What was the year with like Jarnell Stokes? We had some Jarnell Stokes oh action. My gosh,
1: Jarnell Stokes action. Yeah. <laughs> See, now if you're getting a little like very niche Miami Heat fan action. Each team has their guys like that that you <laughs> always hear that like no other like team out like no other fan outside of the team fans will know about. But yeah, when Josh McRoberts is in your discussion, we're starting power forward. It's troubling, and I think at the very least they are getting an upgrade from last year because last year we kind of just resigned a few guys and kind of just said, "Screw it, let's just go with what we have." Yeah, and then you, you make a trade in the middle of the year for Trevor Ariza, who like Trevor Ariza is a great wing, and he was no 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 really he, old,
0: he, but, that, maybe ten years ago, but not now. No,
1: ten years ago, but I mean he filled in admirably considering considering what. Benny was expecting him he he surpassed my expectations because like you I thought he was just He gave me a uh, stroke he was, just bagging, he was just uh basically just bagging, uh food and groceries at Publix or something. Yeah.
0: Like So I wanna stop I, mean, I wanna stop here because yeah. before I move on to your other point, that's the argument that I think makes this an interesting offseason for Miami is that last season they basically said minus Jake Crowder, let's run back the same roster and you know this more than anybody with the NBA, it is a fluid league. You cannot run the same roster back because every team, there are only, there's 30 teams and one title. As simple as it sounds and as like dumb and elementary as it sounds, there's one title. You have, a one, you have a 1 in 30 chance of winning. Every team will maximize all of their assets, all of their resources to beat that 1 in 30 winner. And I think Miami learned that lesson the hard way this past year by doubling down this year, by adding Kyle Lowry, by extending Jimmy Butler. Now we've got the same core, for better or worse, for the next three years minimum. We've got Duncan Robinson back for five years, and basically he will be on contract at a very pre- pretty decent price for the next half decade. Getting some of these veteran players that can serve as as we they know what their roles are. It's to go shoot threes, it's to stand in the corner, get the F out of the way, play some defense, be a veteran in the playoffs, all that sort of stuff. That's what makes this interesting. On to your point about the contenders, I think Miami is arguably the third best team out east. I think Brooklyn's still undoubtedly better just because – They've, they're they just three of them. It's just,
1: it's just talent. It's 100%. I mean, I'm not going to get into the specifics of like, for, This kind of just go, encompasses everything we're talking about. To win an NBA championship, you need a lot of things to work out for you and to go right. In the bubble, the Heat had a lot of things work out for them and go right until the very end where injuries held us back. The Nets had injuries hold them back. You could say if KD was a foot size smaller, they would be in the NBA well, finals and they would have won. But at the end of the day, it's just very simple you can't be a fluid team it's like that I Means is a fluidly you need to make additions and the heat made those additions and then on top of that i agree 100 they're the third te- best team in this uh eastern conference right now personally that's just the way it is the nets have the most talent by far are they going to perform to that expectation are they going to go through the same defensive struggles or is just another year marinating in that system and working together and hopefully getting healthy enough for them to beat out the reigning champions. And Giannis, who's definitely, they'll be the number one team for now just because they won the championship, but by talent standpoint, they're the number two.
0: I think what I want to ask you is what's our best and worst case scenario? Because I think our best case scenario is probably conference finals appearance, losing six or seven games. Worst case scenario... Six seed losing first round or seven seed losing first. round. That's kind of the ballpark I've got for a range of what good or bad can happen. Are you kind of in that range or do you have I'm expectations? Kind of in that range. I'm
1: I'm also always a forever the optimist. I mean, in the NBA, anything can happen. You also never know. There's a huge X factor for the Heat is Victor Oladipo and his health because there's a lot of rumors pointing to the Heat sending him to a minimum contract uh, later in the season. Thank and God. then the possibility of – I mean – I, I am permanently burned by Victor Oladipo because I thought he would have been the fi- like actually making an addition to a team that had not made any additions over the offseason to finally just put us up, push us over the edge. But I think you can all these predictions that we make is really a wait and see because so much can happen, whether it's injuries, development. Because a huge part of this team, as much as we made a lot of additions, is going to be the development of Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero.
0: Oh, we haven't awesome. mentioned Tyler Hero's name. Yeah, he's he's going to be a big part of the team this year and for sure.
1: And that's the Heat have been holding on to him because the Heat have had opportunities to let go of him, and they've continued and stood pat. And Pat has stood pat and just saying that he wants to keep Tyler on this team. And for better or worse, he will be on this team. And his development, Bam Biles' development, and Duncan Robinson, even if it's just becoming slightly better defensively, could be a huge difference. Or
0: or or of- less strip clubs, right?
1: Yeah, less. That's definitely a big part of it. That <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, in terms of the best case scenario, obviously every NBA team's best case scenario is an NBA championship. But in terms of the Heat, I'm we're in that conference finals. Uh, I could see an NBA finals appearance in our future, but I think that's one more addition, possibly by trade in the middle of the season, kind of seeing like, hey, we really have all these pieces. Like, let's say at the all-star break. The Miami Heat are performing above expectations, and we're like, let's just get one more guy to push us over the edge. And we just say, you know what? Tyler Hero, he's raised his trade value a little bit. He's been a solid guy off the bench, and the teams wouldn't take a shot on him, and we just add someone else. Then I could see us going to the finals, but if not, as much as I want to be an optimist, I think losing in the conference finals is our best-case scenario, and then a the first-round exit, obviously the worst-case scenario. As a six, underperforming six
0: or seven team seed team, and just from there, who knows? But... So I, I agree with you there. I think the one knee that they're still missing is either a, a legit stretch four, like some guy who could just shoot threes off the bench and not be and be unselfish or the Jordan Clarkson, Tim Hardaway Jr. just uh, like long bomber kind of something you could just even Alex Burke, some guy like that who can just, you know, draw a couple threes, just be a heat check guy off the bench if the offense yeah. kind of takes a crap, just have him <clears it> in <throat> there. In an ideal world, technically
1: that is what Tyler. Hero. Yeah, and
0: ideally that's what we want Tyler here to be, which is the f- ironic part. So I want, I'm going to stop you here because we're fifteen minutes in. I want to get to some other teams. Uh, one last Heat thought though: the Jimmy Butler extension, four years, one hundred eighty plus million. I think this is the only part of the NBA of the Heat's free agency that I'm kind of crabbing myself at, just because I, I hate p- paying Butler thirty eight million or what is it fifty million at age thirty eight or whatever it is. Like, are, are, yeah. I'm I'm not a big fan of that contract.
1: It irks me a bit too And paying him $50 million at 38 Is very scary And honestly,
0: It's frightening it's, it's Michael Myers frightening It's horrible Yes
1: It is fright- Michael Myers frightening But honestly I don't think the heat care Or a week could... I don't like the key
0: to... He were so careless with this I don't know I don't know if careless Is the right word to See, use I'm gonna stop you um, I don't know if it's careless or... I, do... I think they kind of had to As much as I hate the car As much as, they... as
1: yeah they, they had to The thing is They They're looking back the Heat learned from their mistakes. They made the mistake with Dwayne Wade, and Jimmy Butler is far above the level that Dwayne Wade was at when we need to re sign. I agree with that, yeah. And the Heat said, you know what? He's the number one guy. He's the face of our franchise right now. We need to keep him around. And without Jimmy Butler keeping him happy, then this whole Kyle Lowry signing is pointless. This whole offseason push is pointless. Because if you don't keep that guy happy, you don't have everything working out, then the potential pusher of finals. Or a ring is just pointless, and I think in the future, in the long term, it's a very scary move, but in the short term, if we win a champion, if the Heat win a championship, then it doesn't really matter
0: as much. So, let's move on to our next team here, and that's the Chicago Bulls. So, I gotta ask you right now, sarcastically, should I light myself on fire now or like in 10 minutes? Because what the actual hell are they doing? I honestly, <laughs> I, I feel like they're kind of just
1: i feel like the bulls are kind of just uh playing 2k yeah. right <laughs> they're just in 2k my league and they're just going through free agency and they're just basically just signing whatever talent they can get their hands on and i think this is really just the desperation to keep zach levine who i love zach levine don't get me wrong but when did zach levine turn into a kawhi leonard MVP type player that you throw the kitchen sink at everyone to keep him around don't get me wrong he's an extremely talented player but he's not the number he's not the guy and honestly, props to him. I hope he proves me wrong and I hope he gets a wonderful contract and all works out for him. But Zach Levine is not an MVP candidate in this league. And they kind of were just like, oh, dang, we just threw everything to get Nikola Vucevic to the deadline. It didn't work out. We didn't even make the playoffs. We didn't even, I, correct me if I'm wrong, They didn't even make the play-in.
0: No, they, oh, they were far off. In fact, they gave up. So I, that's why I want to stop you. So first off, I wish the Wizards had this mentality of Bradley Beal with this, let's trade everything for all these guys. Because what I don't get for Chicago is that where does this take you? Like, what is trading? A, wh- why is signing DeRozan for $86 million a good thing? And why is trading two first-round picks for Vucevic a good thing? Like, it, this all started with the, the Vucevic trade, where they give up two first-round picks. They give up Waldo Carter Jr. He's like a young center who has potential. For a former All-Star who's on the, who's on the wrong side of 30, who's a center which I think is already red flag number one. And he's already
1: a poor defensive center prior to him being on the wrong side of third.
0: Yeah, then, as much as I love Lonzo Ball, you sign him for $85 million for four years. For a guy who, as much as I love the fit because he provides defense and outside shooting and unselfishness, is still Lonzo Ball. He has still done nothing in this league yet. For as much as... And, like... People say, like, oh, if he had a better team around him, he would be better. But I'm like, is Chicago the better team? Like, is Chicago more stable than New Orleans right now? Because I don't think so. And then they have the audacity to trade Thaddeus Young, arguably their second-best player, give up a first-round pick and two second-rounders to sign DeRozan, a former All-Star, who hasn't been an All-Star in about half a decade. We were, like, in ninth grade the last time he was an All-Star. For $86 million. For $86 million. Kyle Lowry who damn near was the best player in Toronto this past season, got $90 million. So So, and I don't even want to get started with the basketball fit because as you can explain right now, the fit makes no sense with any of those guys.
1: Mm-hmm. And look, I will say, look, <clears throat> a lot of times people, us being on the outside, sometimes hoopers are just going to hoop, but this is just a situation that even me trying to be an optimistic and trying to say, like, maybe it can work out, personally, It all fell apart when they traded for Nikola Vucevic. One, he's on the wrong side of 30. And you have a guy like Levine. Uh, Yes, I get it. You want to make a push, but you mortgage your future for a guy that isn't even worth trading your future away. Two, uh, honestly, my favorite signing from their offseason is Lonzo Ball. Because his fit next to Levine is honestly perfect. Levine made more... Uh, Lonzo Ball made more threes than Trey Young, Paul George, and a a bunch of those other guys. To be fair, that was probably the only shot he was taking.
0: (laughs) Well, he he did shoot like 50% for the foul line, so you know, I think he was trying to go for a lot of (laughs) three-pointers.
1: Yeah, but um, still, defensively and just as a three-point guy and just being uh, as a playmaker next to him and just as a supporting point guard next to Levine, he kind of does everything Levine doesn't. Except for the fact that Levine is so, also great So I'm
0: going to stop you here, though. But that's the problem with Chicago, with this no-man's land thing. So they sign a young point guard for $20 million a year to be a perfect fit next to Levine. But then they they trade two first-round picks for a veteran on the wrong side of 30. And then trade a first-round pick in Thaddeus Young for another veteran on the wrong, on the wronger exactly. side of 30. Who, by the way— I feel like
1: Lonzo Ball—sorry to cut you off, but I feel like Lonzo Ball would be the perfect fit for, like without these moves. It would be like— Dang, the Bulls are having a nice offseason. They're slowly making moves to put a team together that makes sense. Imagine if instead of having Nikola Vucevic, you'd have those two first-round picks back, and you'd have Wendell Carter Jr., who's a solid defensive center that it could be looking to eventually stretch the floor and uh, step out behind even the mid-range and just shoot some shots. And then instead of signing DeMar DeRozan, you just like keep your young pieces. And then poor Kobe White. Where is
0: that going <laughs> to yeah, up? Yeah, we haven't even talked about that. yet. We forgot Kobe White and Laurie Marketing. I mean, he's Laurie, he's probably Laurie gone now.
1: Laurie Marketing wasn't even a restricted free agent. I feel like I feel like the the writing was on the wall for Laurie Marketing clearly. But in Kobe White, he was still on the team and he was supposed to be the young guy the answer next to uh Zach Levine. and he's just he's just gone.
0: And I I you bring up the excellent point because Basketball fit like I, I, I I'm like try I'm lost for words because like like who's starting at the three for them Like who's the, the small forward on that team because I do they don't have one right? Like am I?
1: Well, no, no, I think you're missing out on something there <clears throat> Ideally, I believe their starting lineup is gonna be Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine DeMar is either gonna be the three or the four and he's gonna be switched interchangeably with Patrick Williams.
0: Oh shoot me Oh my god. They, they oh the my god. Oh is, my god. Um, okay yeah no uh, uh, maybe i should like myself on fire now what the hell are they doing
1: yeah and i mean honestly in terms of a potential standpoint patrick Williams has the potential to be a three and d guy like potential to be like jay crowder like type role oh okay he has, he has during the and during the also after the all-star break his three-point uh stroke came back but he's like 20 21 years old
0: so that's the problem. though,
1: is like, this team is all over the
0: place. So you have a you have a twenty you have a twenty three year old Lonzo Ball, a twenty year old Patrick Williams, a twenty whatever year old Levine, and then a thirty what thirty two year old Vucevic, and a thirty three year old DeRozan. Like what the hell? Thirty
1: five year old DeRozan. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Something like that. It's just very conflicting moves. That like the Lonzo Ball move was like a team that like a young team would make to kind of just like put the pieces together. That you said that restricted free agent guy just to like start building the pieces together. But they went from, like, putting the pieces of this together to just saying, you know what, let's just go all in and just throw all our chips on the table. When for the, the six seed. They were, they were just, exactly, for the sixth seed. All this for what? For the sixth seed to get swept in the first round? Or maybe you get lucky and you get um, a team that gets an injury in the first round. And then you're in the second round and you get destroyed by the nets or the bucks or the heat. Like, all this for what, is my question. You mortgage your future. You mortgage everything. And Zach Levine hasn't even be re- been re-signed yet. So you're potentially going into a future where you're going to lose a guy like Zach Levine. And your roster consists of... But at this point, by then, it'll be like a 34-year-old Nikola Vucevic, Like a 35, 36, 37-year-old DeMar DeRozan. And then Lonzo Ball is the face of your franchise?
0: Well, and that's an excellent point there because this is all... I want to actually stop that for a sec because I want to get back to Levine specifically. But I think the issue there is the team construct. Because as you point out, even in a best-case scenario, I don't see them getting past the first round. In a best-best-case scenario because, I mean, you look at Brooklyn. I'd say Brooklyn and Milwaukee are definitely better. I'd argue that even on a bad day, Philly's probably better. I'd argue that Miami's definitely better. So at that point, you already have four teams ahead of you. I just don't see this team being better than a five seed. On a good day. Like, on a very good day where, like, you know, as you point out, we, it's hard to predict God knows what. But my question is that there's still so many questions, though, with this team. And I just don't know what what's happening. That's literally the bottom line. That's why I'm lost for words. Because I'm, I'm just trying to sit here, like, are they better than a second-round exit, as you point out? Because even, like, teams like the Hawks are still going to be back there as much as I hate them. Boston is still going to be a thing. So... There is a universe where they do all these moves and they'd be out in the play in tournament. Like there is a universe in which exactly. that happens. And that's the problem. Now that
1: it's only this they could be like a seventh seed and then they could put like there's just so much potential for
0: all this to go wrong in so many ways. So just, then that know. that brings me to the Levine piece of this. Is this worth it for Zach Levine, a guy who has never been in, he's never been an all star he's never been an all NBA. I don't think he's been an all star. Great score, but he's never been the best player on any team. Is this worth it for him? Is it worth it to do all this and then sign Levine to thirty million a year? So your team is a first round exit every year for the next ten year or four years or whatever. I don't think it is.
1: Yeah, I like I said before. Yours, I, I it was the first one I made. All this for Levine, who isn't that guy. Like, yeah,
0: he's yeah. not
1: That guy. It is just personally. There's not really much more to say. It's just. I mean, cool. Good for. Honestly. The best thing about this is good for Alex Caruso getting his family well, some money. Well,
0: funny enough, Alex Caruso ironically might be the best signing. Alex Caruso for the the, the, the taxpayer for or the, the mid level might be the best signing. Oh, he was not the mid level, no. He was like nine mil or whatever, so he was just under. Well, but... He was
1: he was just uh, he was just around that level. Which I mean, but either way, for him, like he's a great he's a great defensive guard, a three point shooter. Good for him, man. It's honestly just that. Well, he might have to start. He might
0: have to start the three because you know I think DeRozan might be uh, taking a walk when it comes to defense, so he'll be a perfect fit. Yeah. (laughs) So my my last question though is that um, can you explain to me why they gave DeRozan eighty six million? Like, was did somebody was anybody really competing besides maybe the Knicks in like a horrible universe, which we'll get into in a moment because I'm already pissed off at them too. I
1: I did know that DeRozan met with the Clippers. But the Clippers didn't have much to offer him. They had no they space, have space, because they don't have, like, they don't have space. They have—I'm pretty sure they have their mid-level, which would have been the same situation as the Heat and the Heat we just like, he kind of just saw the writing on the wall. And we're just like, we're not getting the time for the mid-level because look like, at how much he just got from the Bulls. So besides the Knicks, who we need to get into next, honestly, mm-hmm.
0: if... all we're, we're about—we're about two seconds away. So hold that yeah. thought.
1: But um, besides that, like. There's just, I don't know who the, they were competing against themselves, honestly. You know what? You know who, who the, the winner in all of this is? DeMar DeRozan's agent. Oh, yeah. Good for him.
0: So you brought it up. Let's talk about the Knicks here. Um, I'm kind of intrigued by this th- for the wrong reason. I'm kind of intrigued in New York here because they are the candidate, and I've said this for about two months now they are the candidate of the we overachieved, let's run it back and see what happens award. Did you, you were, you were, what was your stance on New York last season? Did you think that they overperformed because of the playoff bubble and like how they got a lot of rest, a lucky season from Julius Randle, a great defensive squad? Was all of that, was that legit or did you, were you on the camp of, oh, that was definitely not going to be sustainable? I
1: mean, it kind of looks like they kind of fit, like, they fit the profile of a team that definitely overachieved and it may not be because of the rest thing like i feel like the rest for them was normal maybe because everyone else got screwed by the lack of rushing the bubble but even besides that i mean if julius Randle isn't the same guy again then like who is the guy for this team evan Fournier has always been like like a guy that like put up a bunch of points but like they kind of just have a bunch of no like a bunch of like okay guys they're like you know what like if they want a contain team you'd be like like, if M. Fournier went to, like, a contending team, like, damn, that's a great signing. He could be, like, a last piece to kind of, like, complete your roster and just, like, provide some shooting, some scoring, some playmaking. But instead, you're adding just a bunch of, like, mid-tier guys that, like, you know what? They're all talented, but, like, what's the Knicks, like, view with this? Just add a bunch of guys that are talented and they're cool, but, like, for what? You re you re-signed Derrick Rose to – I mean, props to Derrick Rose. He's turned his career completely around 360, well-deserved – and
0: but for a lot of back. money, though. But for a lot of yeah, money. for a lot
1: of money. But he was uh, getting offered some money from a lot of teams, too. And he, he decided to in New York. But regardless, I mean, Derrick Rose did earn his money. He earned it in the playoffs. Uh, that much, no, but he did earn a contract. He did earn a contract. And the Knicks wanted to keep him around because they wanted to stay that team. Alec Burks definitely earned his money as a 3-and-D guy. Taj Gibson's back on, like, a one-year, like, minimum-type deal. And Evan, giving Evan Fournier the bag is...
0: oh yeah. <laughs>
1: that's the one I think we want to talk about the most honestly because I mean besides that like I understand that and one move the the money of it
0: he's he's, he's arguably like, the best contract they gave out
1: yeah that was a good contract a good defensive center a good running center a good young guy a, a run jump and dunk guy and everyone needs those guys so I can't say no to that one Alec like Burks I get it because he was, he was, a I mean, he was probably obviously their second best offensive player in that playoff series where Julius Randle just turned into a trash can and just, um, he was just there in this, like, he was just, the uh, people would just get out of the stands in uh, Madison Square Garden on the way back from Trey Young, just trashing them as a team. And they would just throw their uh, concessions and, like, all their food and stuff into uh, Julius Randle because he was a trash can at the stadium. So that was just a porous performance from him. But besides that, Derrick goes... A little bit overpaid. I like
0: works a tad overpaid, but I get it. See, but that's the problem. That's where I want to stop you here, because here's the problem with New York right now. I'm going to say this on the record. I don't think they make the playoffs next year. I'm going to say it right now. The case for New York not making the playoffs. Number one is that out of all the teams that made the the playoffs, besides the Hawks, they got the most benefit from the season uh, shutting down in 2019-20. A lot of rest for their young guys, all that sort of stuff. Uh, They rely on hustle and defense and luck. Number two, Julius Randle played the most minutes in the week last season in terms of per game. So what we're basically saying is that Julius Randle, in order to repeat his performance, has to play a league amount of minutes, shoot the same amount from three and long two that he did, be still the same playmaker, all while New York keeps sustaining everything else. Number three, New York had one of the best defenses last season even though they gave up the most three-pointers and the most paint shots. When you factor all that in on top of the fact that the, everyone else got better, and all New York did was sign a frenchman and bring back everybody else i'm saying it right now new york is not better than the 8 seed they will not make the playoffs they may make the plan but they will not be uh, in the playoffs this upcoming season do you agree with me um it's a bit honestly, bold but i want to know i want to know
1: it's a bit bold I, I it's really it's really plausible i mean the the defining factor in terms of the other stuff and that three pointers like also, it comes down honestly to me I'm feeling it in a more simplistic way is there's two things to consider one if Julius Randle's the same guy then they're going to make the playoffs even if it's me to play in personally but are they done making moves is my question and as the bold Stephen A. Smith the biased man said oh if uh, Damian Litter wants out he's definitely going to New York which I think is a terrible take but as you saw <laughs> the point I'm just wondering if if this is setting up something bigger. Because if it's not if it's not setting up something bigger, and Julius Randle's not that guy, then I agree with you the next time I make the playoffs. My big hinge is I don't want to doubt a guy that's really trying to square around and really be one of those most improved guys. But we've seen this before. A guy has a leap, he wins most improved, and then he falls off the face of the earth.
0: Oh, I mean, that's one way to put it. In Randle's case, we already saw the hints at it where... There's a certain ceiling with Randall's your best player. They, remember, the Hawks, for as good as they were, and don't get me wrong, I, this is a team with... I doubted Trey Young, and he proved me wrong. I doubted Atlanta and making... a bunch
1: of potential. Yeah,
0: but, but... But, Atlanta wasn't a good defensive team. And yet, they shut down... Terrible, Ju-
1: we saw that in the series against the Bucs. They were a terrible defensive team. Yeah. And they just put the a lid on the basket for Julius Randall. And every single... We saw the worst of Julius Randall in that series. And it was kind of just like... No one in the NBA saw him coming in the in the beginning. He stuck around because he was confident and he was on a hot streak for like leading up to like where the play-in happened. And then once he got to the play-in, the Hawks kind of just figured out this is how you stop Julius Randle, and he just was just they had an answer for him.
0: I think we should emphasize that the key is the sustainability. The question that the Knicks have to ask themselves, and they basically said they think it's a yes by doubling down with this roster, is is what they did last year sustainable? And I'd argue no especially with Julius Randle because he played the most minutes in a league where a lot of the superstars of the league either got injured or run a limits restriction because of COVID or because of the past year with the bubble and all that crap.
1: And load management and all that stuff, but...
0: Wait, yeah, I'm, I, wait honestly, I'm not done. I'm not done. He, he relies on three-pointers that he has never hit at the clip that high before. I, that's going to go down for sure. Long two-pointers that he hasn't hit at clip that high before. And... The only marginal upgrade on offense is Evan Fournier. So, in other words, they still have the issues with spacing. They still have the problems where they're relying on a defensive hustling and all that crap that, spoiler alert, it won't catch people by surprise because they know what they're doing now. I just don't see this team being good. I think this is one of those this cases. Is like
1: a mirror of the Miami Heat situation, except they don't have a star to take them to the playoffs.
0: Exactly, and that's the problem. And I think this and is going to really screw New York over.
1: And honestly, I was kind of happy to, like, I, I've never – the Knicks have never been good for me to hate them as a Heat fan. So, um, personally for me, I was, like, happy to see the Knicks do well. They finally, like, were, like, damn, after so long of just being atrocious, they finally turned it around. And then it was, like, that's a cool t- thing to see, like, the team, like, with those young guys and the defense and the hustle, like, win like that. But in an ideal world, they don't just run it back with all these guys. And they don't just make an improvement with Evan Fournier.
0: Well, and I'll stop you there because we've seen this in history before with us Miami fans. 2017, we start off the season, what it was like 17 and whatever. Like We were like a 17 and 30 something team. After the All-Star game, we flipped and we ended up with a 500 record. We made the ninth seed. And what do we do? James Johnson, or what was his name?
1: Yeah. James, James Johnson. John, I, I remember that situation exactly. And it was... Kelly
0: Olenek. Um, Deion Waiters. Deion
1: Waiters. Hassan and Whiteside. Whiteside. And... And then we hustled and we brought her back together to the And then he were like, you know what? Let's run it back again. They paid all the guys that were on contract years that were overperforming and at their max potential. And no one saw them coming. And we saw Philly cheese, Dion Waiters. And then the next year, they were all terrible. Uh, Dion Waiters was just eating edibles on the plane. And then he was just off a team. And James Johnson, he was solid. But his max is what he's at now in Brooklyn, which is just a bench power forward that can provide you spot minutes into the five. Is in this like a stretch four with some solid defense.
0: But, yeah, and that's the perfect equivalent there. I think again, I think the uh we haven't uh, hammered the whole point home enough. Evan Fournier was a big overpay. I don't think it was needed. I think they could have gotten some shooter for five million a year for three for whatever. Maybe I would rather they could have gotten Malik monk. Why didn't they overpay Robinson? Why didn't they pay him twenty-five million? If I would rather pay Duncan Robinson twenty five million for five years than pay Evan Fournier 18 for four.
1: Yeah. And honestly. I just... Malik Monk could provide you the similar things to Evan Fournier because he's a hot... Or, or even Wayne
0: Ellington. Why didn't they get Wayne I mean, Ellington for $10 a year? I mean,
1: obviously, like, those guys are in the Lakers and the Lakers are sending all those guys to rain chase. So that's, and that's fine. But you're telling me that if you give... So, you're giving Evan Fournier that much money. If you're offering the, even the mid-level to Malik Monk, who honestly kind of earned it with Charlotte. Like, he was playing pretty damn well offensively. If you want a shooter like that, then just do that and he's young... And you could say under the tutelage of Thibodeau that you, you can kind of tr- give him a little bit of defense. And just like th- those are the type of guys you need to bring high potential. We've seen the most Evan Fournier can be. We've seen the most Derrick Rose can be. Maybe we haven't seen the most Nerlens all can be, but there's not much more for him to develop.
0: How about Alex I like Burks? Let's go.
1: <laughs> Alex Burks would have been great for like the Warriors, like a contender to sign. <laughs> not the Knicks. The Knicks are not a contender. And Taj Gibson's like thirty something. Like you know what? Good for him. He's a solid backup center in this league. But again. The Knicks did not add to their potential as a team. Yes, and you're telling me, oh, oh you know, oh the the Knicks, oh, it's what you know what it is is Obi oh, Toppin's gonna come out of nowhere and be a stud and lead them. Like no, there's just no potential there.
0: There's so no
1: upside on this team. We've seen the highest potential version of the Knicks as a first round exit. So and that's their best case scenario this year.
0: I want to move on to a couple more teams before we kind of close this out because uh, I want to do a winners and losers pod for free agency and probably the offseason as a whole, so I don't want to do that dance yet. But I want to talk about Philly and Boston. Um, I I don't know if they've woken up yet, but uh, free agency started yesterday. Are they going for anybody in particular? Because all I've seen is that Philly has signed a backup center, which is the last thing they need. And Boston has literally done nothing. Like, Boston has not signed even me. Like, they've signed no... Hey,
1: you're person. sleeping on the Sixers. They brought back freaking Corkman. Well
0: Oh, thank God. That, that'll that save them. So, first off, let's start with Philly. Ben Simmons. Uh,
1: yeah, I feel like, honestly, they, they kind of just... They asked for a hmm. massive overpay via trade before the... They should have traded Ben Simmons before free agency started. Because not only would you have cleared up cap space, you would have gotten assets and got an idea of where your team is heading... And then potentially, for example, you get like an Andrew Wiggins and a James Wiseman on your team. Or something, you just get like a shooting guard that's like starting level capable on your team. And as much as it would have paid me, if they just freed up the cap space of the, the millions they're paying Ben Simmons, and added like a solid wing, and like a solid young player, well, and like a but, first round pick, then they could have been in the running for like Cal Lowry, because Cal Lowry is from Philly. But well, instead, wait, I'll,
0: I'll stop you. The dream scenario, which I'm still pissed as that instead of overpaying, wanting overpay for Ben Simmons, I would have traded him for CJ McCollum and maybe like something else and then use the assets you got to get Buddy Healed. Buddy Healed. the Lakers are going to give them Kyle Kuzma and nothing else for Buddy Heald. I, I think Philly could have yeah. matched up and then you get Kyle Lowry. Yeah,
1: you could have done that. Instead, you did nothing. You still have Ben Simmons and you're asking for first round picks when the guys at his lowest value of his entire career. So it was a, if this was peak Ben Simmons, then I could say, you know, what, are you like maybe he gets a like if this is Ben Simmons after his rookie rookie of the year quote unquote rookie of the year, um and you're like you know what maybe he can get a jump shot, but it's been four years he still doesn't have a jump shot. We just saw the worst performance of his career in the playoffs where he can't even make a free throw, and you're asking for four first round picks on top of James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins, and then now all you did is swap Dwight Howard who went back to the Lakers because he thought. He thought after winning the championship with the Lakers, you know what, let me go to Philly and went with them. Actually, they didn't win, and then he was like, you know what, I don't want any more to do with this, so I'll go back to the Lakers. And then you ended up with a guy that the Lakers got and wanted out of their team, which is Andre Drummond, who is a bum, who gets 20 rebounds a game from his own misses.
0: Yeah, can we talk about the, 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 what aged very well was the Lakers saying that Drummond was part of the future as they proceeded to bench him for like a whole playoff series? I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I think that, that was pretty comedy hour for uh, the Lakers there. Um, I think if you're Philly, the big problem you have here is that you still have the Ben Simmons dilemma. I, I've i said this. They they don't fit together. They really don't. It's not going to happen. It never will. They should have traded him a year ago. They should have put him in the the James Harden package. They, it should have been done. I. They should have, at the very least, traded him, as you point out, before the draft. Because if you traded him during the draft— more importantly, the underrated part, minus the fact that you have the cap space for this option, even if you didn't do that, you use no cap space, it is hard to trade a Ben Simmons contract during the regular season. There's more restrictions with the money. Wait, Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait, hold up. There's more restrictions with the money. All the teams that, like, it's way easier to do the little financial loopholes and weird cap crap when your teams have more roster spots and God knows what, and assets are more readily available. Because now, if you trade someone at the deadline, you're kind of doing it out of desperation, not out of waiting.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that was the point I was going to make, was the money before the draft. And just, like, before the draft, a team like the like Heat, for example, we had, like, we literally had Bam, Jimmy, um, and, well, we had, like, holds and team options, like, guys. But in terms of guys that were under contract for the next season, guaranteed, was Bam, Jimmy, and, like, KZ Apollo, Oh, yeah. Even the Heat, in a terrible draft, like, in a cap situation, even the Heat had room for Ben Simmons with weird cap magic going on. And now there's like no one in the league with the cap space and no one with the league willing to give up the assets because all the leagues kind of just kicked the can. Of, you know, said like, you know what? The only team potentially I see trading for Ben Simmons is the Blazers, who've been just as terrible making improvements this offseason.
0: Well, and I've I've belabored this point ever since Philly lost. I've talked to guys like Syracuse. I've talked to guys uh, from all all, all different parts of walks of life, and they've all came to the same conclusion, is that with Ben Simmons, if you trade him to a contender, you are not getting much in return. And if you trade Ben Simmons to a team that has a lot of draft picks, for instance, what can you do with those draft picks to improve the roster? And that's the problem. Because if you're not trading Ben Simmons for a guy, you're not getting anything. Because assets do not... A draft pick in 2028 does not help Embiid win right now. A couple second-round picks and a young guy do not help Embiid win right now. And that's the issue because I think that... I, I've also made this stance. The Eastern Conference and the Western Conference are more wide open than they've ever been. Especially with this season. Because now, we're coming off a year where you argue that it was more of an asterisk than the bubble season. Because at least in the bubble, everything was the same. Same team circumstances, same what. But this season passes, we had covid Injuries, different teams coming back in different uh, lineups. Some came back with the years of uh, off. Some came yeah, back with no, seven. Wait, happen? wait, hold up. Some came out with seventy. 70- yeah, exactly. Some came out with seventy days off. Everybody's starting from scratch here. So this is the most wide open it's ever been. Every team has the same odds as long as they don't mess it up. And Philly right now is really screwing this up. Yeah. And we'll
1: talk about. I mean, there's not really much more to say about Philly just because.
0: Well, they haven't done anything so.
1: Exactly and. Another uh, snooze fest is the Celtics literally just, all they did was they acquired Josh Richardson via trade.
0: Uh, And that's about it. And they
1: traded away the young center, a young cheap center to get him. And you're trading away Josh Richardson, who's on a 10 million player option that he opted into. So you're trading for a one-year rental wing that you didn't really even need that badly.
0: I I'm more of a f- in favor of the Richardson thing only because I, I like he can play. I don't know if he. I go- like
1: Richardson. Don't get me wrong. And honestly, um, I could see him as j- he thrived in the NBA. His peak of the NBA was as a tall point guard who didn't really need to do too much playmaking. And really, just be an like off ball guy. Because what's gonna happen in a dream world for the Celtics? Your starting lineup would be something like this: um, point guard, point guard, quote unquote, Josh Richardson, with your main opponents well. being Brown and uh, Tatum. And then uh, Horford is starting center, or Robert Williams if he develops,
0: <laughs> or or, or the homeless guy they find you know at the corner of the Boston or the TD yeah, Garden. I don't know
1: who I don't even know who their power forward is.
0: So the, the the predicament I have, and I think that this is where I'm want to get into, is that Boston hasn't made moves yet. Which on the one hand I'm scared for, but on the other hand I kind of think they might be the Dennis Schroeder team. I think they might be the team. For better or worse, that gets him because I don't see where else he'll go, and Boston would offer up that, you know, full oh, mid-level, uh, ten point seven or nine I million.
1: That honestly, that the more I hear that out, it, it does make sense because because now you wait because
0: now you would do Schroeder Richardson Brown Schroeder, yeah, Tatum exactly Horford yeah. Schroeder
1: Richardson Brown Tatum and Tatum played power for last year, and then you
0: have Horford. Defensively, that's an Irk, but like that's still a, that's a solid team. That's what I'm saying. I think I, I think that would actually be a good fit too. And you don't you don't overpay Schroeder twenty million. You don't do that stupid crap. Yeah. You get you have a, a starting five which they didn't have last year. You still have Marcus Smart which you can either keep or trade. And I think they might trade him. And I I would trade him. Um, it's not a horrible route to go. I'm not gonna lie. It's not horrible.
1: It's so the worst. One thing to keep an eye on is that they need they have to extend Marcus Smart. And they basically said we're not extending Marcus Smart. We're trading him. Where is Marcus Smart going is something
0: to discuss as well. Uh, yeah, and a couple of destinations. I mean, maybe if Boston throws in a couple first-round picks, maybe him for McCollum in Portland. Maybe he goes to King and they do buddy heel for Marcus Smart so Boston gets more shooting. Uh, maybe Philly gets him. Hell, maybe Philly says we'll give you a couple first for whatever. Maybe they get Ben Simmons. What if it's Ben Simmons for Smart like, two picks? I don't know. Like, I- I'm playing this in my head, but I think he's a good candidate okay, because another big thing with Boston is that they don't have any middle contracts. So Horford's getting paid, Brown and Tam are getting paid, and then everybody else is either on rookie deals or minimums. Smart's the only guy, if at all, that has like that Attention. ten to fifteen million. Yeah, which is the perfect
1: trade piece.
0: Yeah, perfect. It's exactly what they want to the the star of some package, which is nice.
1: Yeah, and uh, going back to the Heat, well, just me being biased, the, the Heat were interested in that. Obviously, I don't know how much that interest maintains itself now, but he does he does fit the Heat in terms of a culture guy, scrappy defense, and all and whatnot. But again, for the Celtics, unless the Marcus smart trade, and that's you, someone like McCullum or something like that, I don't really know what their plan is. Yeah. The Schroeder thing, like you said, makes a lot of sense. But we just, no one knows what their plan is because they haven't done anything to show what their plan is.
0: Exactly. Um, one more move here before we do, like, kind of winners and losers Eastern Conference edition, like a rapid fire. Uh, Jared Allen, five years, 100 million. Um, I'm going to guess you're a no on that one. Um,. Honestly, oh oh lord, don't get me started. I,
1: I, I'm going to give you. I, the, I feel like you've always been the the more uh, negative, and I feel like it's always good to kind of bring both sides of the story. And well, you, well, you know me; I hate
0: everything. So give me the case. How about this? Give me the case for Jared Allen paying him a hundred million.
1: In terms of my personal opinion, I disagree with it wholeheartedly. I disagree with it, but I'm just going to try to see it from their perspective. See, it, step in the shoes of the Cavaliers GM.
0: Oh, God. are like, you sure you want to do that? <laughs>
1: Honestly, I don't think I want to. <laughs> but, um, you know what? They're probably making some solid money, so that's the only positive I see from that. But besides that, let's just step in their shoes and see. Okay, you re-signed him to a five-year, $100 million deal. And even though it doesn't really make sense because he's never really been a stud.
0: Oh, Lord, help me.
1: Um, And he's only really been an above-average run, jump, and dunk guy. You're going to have him take over because Evan Mobley is uh like literally just a pencil right now super thin you're hoping Evan <laughs> Moby can develop a shot and you're gonna have him play some spot four minutes and then play five against bench units and then you could eventually move jared allen later in his contract to a contender that wants
0: a center once evan moby is ready to take over the reins Okay, so uh, wait, I, agree. Stop, stop, stop. I agree with you there. So the ca- I argue that's part of the case. So the case for Jared Allen is that Evan Mobley is more of a four than a five, mm-hmm. at least to a lot of people. So it actually – it's not a bad fit as people think, number one. Number two, what was Cleveland doing with the money anyway? Because I'd rather they overpay for Jared Allen, who's a young guy, 23.
1: Then overpay for like Evan – pull
0: a Knicks. Yeah, please. Then, then pay, you know, God knows who, 20 million. So I like that actually, number two. Number three – Allen does have a lot of potential, and I think... And they know what they're getting with him, too. Yeah, I, At the very I, least, they're getting a really good run, jump, and dunk guy,
1: a really solid interior defender, a really solid rebounder, and a really solid uh, pick-and-roll guy.
0: Well, and he provides a foundation where that position is now locked for five years, which I think is nice, too. And, as you point out, because $100 million is a lot, but remember, the salary cap keeps, is going to keep going up. So, in the end whatever, by the third or fourth year, it won't be that bad of a contract. If Allen is a decent two-way big, as you point out, I don't know what that package would be to some teams, but he could be traded down the road if, like, whatever. So it's yeah. not Because he builds his
1: value. Because the Kevin's kind of just kicking the can, which is kind of what they need to do. They wanted to move. They don't need to blow it up because they don't have older, aging guys to blow it up with. And there's no... They, wouldn't, they shouldn't be stupid, and I'm kind of glad that they didn't try to go all in because there was no reason to go all in. So I can see them trading Sexton to avoid paying him this year, or if they do pay him, trade him down the road, and then you'll trade uh, Allen when the salary cap goes up to a team that needs a center, potentially the Celtics down the road once Al Horford's contract is off the books and they need someone. Um, And then Evan Mobley either turns into a four and you can draft the center or just play him alongside like someone else or you move Evan Mobley and have him as a stretch five because there really is a it really is a positionless league so Evan Mobley could be we have fours that play the five all the time and he is seven feet tall and you never know if he puts some meat on those bones and he becomes a solid guy but all you're really doing is like you said locking in the center position and kind of just saying let's focus on upgrading and adding talent to those other spots and work from there
0: so I want to run through some winners and losers, at least as of now, because there's obviously more free agency to go. I want to do a final official thing by the end of free agency, by the end of the offseason with, like, official, like, every move broken down, with that sort of stuff. From the Eastern Conference, who are your winners? Let's go, like, you can, we can make the Miami case again, but besides Miami, unless you want to do that, who are some winners to you so far from the Eastern Conference? Well,
1: in terms of the heat, obviously, I think they already went in-depth enough on how I think they won free agency from uh what they need to do. But um besides that, um I'll say a minor another winner it's kind of hard to say another winner in the East for me. I think another one it, Um So I I'll,
0: I'll give you a couple candidates that I think yeah, are really good.
1: I'd have to I think it's just kind of just depends on sometimes a lot of teams standing pat was just enough for no, some of them
0: so i argued no no I actually i'm glad you brought that up because i'd argue that so winner no, minor winners brooklyn keep yeah the, that's what i was gonna say brooklyn they kept everyone and they added patty mills that was I'm perfect sorry, i was just
1: thinking in my head adding patty mills who's a veteran guard who's been performing super well at the olympics has just been great for them um excellent shooter too excellent shooter which they needed some shooting off the bench and it's no longer Mike James off the bench as your uh, point guard. And um, they kept the rest of their guys, and now you're going back with... This isn't like the other team is running it back. This time it's running it back based on health, which is never a bad thing to do. Uh, and, then they add, and they still added talent. So they didn't yes. just stand pat purely, but they added talent to it. Avoiding the mistakes of the Heat, for example, in the past.
0: That, that's also... A- Oh, that's a for, um, that's a for sure, yeah. though. So, Brooklyn, I, that's why I think they're a winner. Charlotte's a winner because I like how yes. they traded Devontae Graham, who shot 38% of the field. Yeah. And he he
1: doesn't fit their timeline because LaMelo Ball is their guy, so you're not going to overpay for someone to play alongside
0: him that doesn't even make sense because you have Terry Rozier's or two. For mm-hmm. sure. Uh, Pistons, I think, are a slight winner because I like – they're they're kind of middle. I didn't like them signing Trey Lowes or Corey Joseph, but Kelly Olynyk is a good contract. Cade Cunningham, obviously. No. All those guys that they...
1: Kelly is a great contract to trade to a contender after he shows out with Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, Kelly Olenek, pick and rolls are just going to be so fun. Because Kelly is going to blow up, as he always does. Like, did on the Rockets last year. He's going to show crazy stats. And then the contender at the deadline's going to need something to push them over the edge. And the Pistons are going to get, like, a pick or something for just signing a guy that they obviously don't even need in their timeline. I think another um, solid winner as well, um, after that, to keep in mind, maybe the Bucks just because they brought back Portis and they added George Hill just recently tonight, which is a solid signing to bring that guy back personally to upgrade the back, uh, backup point guard spot, which was previously atrocious with uh, Jeff Teague, just well, to make note
0: of that. One more quick winner. We haven't even brought this team. Washington Wizards getting rid of the yeah. Westbrook con- contract, adding a, a first-round pick, and getting three valuable players that... At the very least, are trade assets, and at most, give you the depth for your team. So I, I think they're a huge winner too. And uh, one last stamp pack team. I kind of like the Hawks. Uh, max ascension for Trey Young. Lock in that core. Easily a playoff team for the next half decade for sure. Whether it's like three C, four C, six C, God knows what. I, I really like that them. Uh, let's move on to losers before we wrap today's pod. Uh, who are your big losers so far? Oh, I, I, those, are,
1: those are easy. I, I have my four. Uh, Bulls, Knicks. Uh, Celtics and uh, well, Celtics a little lo- lower tier loser, not as bad. Um, I'd say Bulls, Knicks, obviously, and then um, Sixers.
0: I I add in there I add in there as much as not you. It pains me to say this. Cleveland with the hundred million. I just it's a little too much. If it was it's, 50- it's
1: iffy, I mean, we that one's a kind of wait and see loser. The same one with the Celtics, but uh, obvious losers as of right now, just because you can kind of see the trajectory. Cause there's not much else for them to do or much else for them to go. Because if they do a Colin Sexton move and kind of show that they're kind of just taking the can and just trading and flipping guys for assets down the line, then it makes more sense. But they are a loser just, just because of that contract.
0: But the biggest losers, obviously, are the Bulls and the um, Knicks. I'd also, I'd also throw in two more. Uh, they're on both lists. I think the Wizards are a loser. I think uh, there's been the rumor with Spencer Dinwiddie. I think it's a terrible signing. I don't think they should do this sign a guy to be the ninth seed approach i think it's either trade bradley beal and tank or go for contending but i don't think this go for the 11th seed thing is a good idea
1: yeah didn't want to be doesn't give you contending and they're like oh they got rid of russell Westbrook and they're afraid of cap space and they got all these guys that are solid that and good options i'm like look this makes your team better but it doesn't make it it's just gonna be bradley beal carrying the team again and for what like again it's a what situation like you're going to lose this guy so you what you might as well do is try to flip these solid depth in an ideal world, they either they trade Bradley Beal away. Uh, me personally, I don't see Bradley Beal sticking around. It. If he gets the supermax, he gets the supermax. But it doesn't make sense because then it he doesn't help them win a championship. So if you trade Bradley Beal, I think this is what they should do: is trade Bradley Beal, just get a bunch of assets. You have these guys that like Kuzma, KCP, and all these other guys just perform above average. Hopefully, get have them meet depth and either keep them around on cheaper contracts as depth guys. Or trade
0: them for more assets and just blow it up. I think one last loser here real quick before we wrap up. The other side of the aisle, the Raptors. Why didn't they trade Kyle Lowry at the deadline last season?
1: Yeah. And honestly, I'm, I'm happy to see them lose as a Heat fan because they could have had Duncan Robinson. They could have had Precious Achua as well. They could have had Kendrick Nunn. And they wanted Tyler Hero. They want to make sure they can get the most out of it. And the Heat wouldn't budge. And Pat Riley said, Pat. And as much as it sucks for the Heat in like in last year's situation. I don't think Kyle Lowry would have been enough to push us over the edge because we had we had already been figured out by everyone at that point, and we still would have had to resign him. But now, this just makes the Heat even more bigger winners of that trade because the Raptors only really get a chew up because Drogic's going somewhere else. They're either going to buy him out or flip him for someone that fits their timeline a little bit better. But they're not getting much. They're not getting more
0: than a second round pick out of Drogic in terms of picks. Well, Pablo, that's all the time we have today. We're going to have more free, and free episodes out there, but the big 40th episode for this pod. Thank you so much for joining. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.